And good morning, everyone. Church, do you know how I know that it's going to be a good, good morning? We're in God's house, and he has extraordinary gifts for his children. Is there anyone here who would be excited about the kind of gifts that the king of king might have for his children? You know, I'm not saying never again, but rest assured, Oakton, speaking here the second time almost in a row is a very rare occurrence and one that will probably never happen again. If you're new here to Oakton, don't uh, assume that this is the uh, normal uh, kind of message. Please come back and hear our pastors. But uh, Pastor Kent, uh, Amy, and the family are on a cruise this week. And my uh, pastor son, Landon, came down with a crud affecting his throat. And so um, I'm here today. But you know what the good news is? The good news, church, is that our God is so great and so powerful and so awesome that he's able to speak through anyone, even me. If you would pray with me, let's begin with the word of prayer. Dear Father God, Lord, I just have a sense of anger over me right now. I'm angry about this sickness that is affecting this body and our families, the hurts and injuries. And so, Father, I'd ask you to rebuke that sickness here in the body of Oakton. Father, we call upon you this morning asking you to have your way in this service. Minister to us and reveal your glory here this morning. You are so worthy of our praise And your very word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. So let your Holy Spirit fall down upon this this body this morning and stir up this body of believers. Empower us from on high to be your witnesses and gift us extraordinary powers to exhibit you in all that we say and do. Give me your words, Father, this morning. Give to us ears that we can hear your Spirit within us quicken to receive your word. To the God who is able to do more than we could ever think or ask, we praise you in the holy and precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, um, I entitled the message, We Are the Ministers of the Gospel. Play along with me. Repeat after me for a minute. We... Are the ministers of the gospel. You guys are way better than the first servants. But they, were, they were still having coffee and all that kind of stuff. So the question is, who is? We are. One more time. Who is? We are. Are you a minister? Didn't hear everybody. Can a minister exist without a ministry? Two Sundays ago, um, I spoke about chains. We talked about chains binding us when we're not prepared for worship. We talked about chains that can bind us from experiencing intimate praise. We talked about chains that can bind us for receiving what God has 
for us through his word. We talked about chains that can bind our pastors and even bind us from experiencing the abundant life in Christ. This morning, I'd like to continue on the topic of chains in an address, chains that can bind the Holy Spirit. If you brought your Bibles this morning, or if you got an app, kick that open, and let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. One of the things I love about Oakton is that it's a word church, right? What is spoken from the pulpit is always based on the very word of God. Here in 1 Corinthians it says, To one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak the message of wisdom, and to another the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit, and to another, the extraordinary gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the working of all miracles, and to another, prophecy foretelling the future, speaking a new message from God to the people, and to another, discernment of spirits, the ability to distinguish sound, godly doctrine from deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults, to another various kinds of unknown tongues, and to another yet interpretation of tongues. So, church, I ask you this morning, how do we bind or chain the Holy Spirit? What about through unbelief? Church, I'm afraid that there's those that believe that the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts that God gives to us ended in the apostolic age. I think there's some that maybe uh, would doubt the existence because they cannot see. In some cases, I think maybe we bind the Holy Spirit by our lack of desire for His gifts. Maybe the fear of what other people would think if God was moving on our lives. Sometimes we're held back or chaining the Holy Spirit because of past mistakes that we've made. Or maybe not even feeling worthy. Not asking and inviting the Holy Spirit to move freely in our lives. Let me ask you this. Would you come to a party if you weren't invited? Probably not. Does God want to give extraordinary gifts to his children? Are we to remain powerless and weak or to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit? Do we believe that God's word is true? Do we eagerly desire his extraordinary gifts? Or are we more concerned about what someone else might think? Church, hear this. Hmm. You were no more worthy of Christ dying on the cross than you are worthy to receive his extraordinary gifts. But that's why they're gifts. 
something that we can't earn, something that we don't deserve, but our good, good Father has gifts waiting for us to receive. You know, we pray for healing, and that's great. But are we praying for the extraordinary gift of healing? We pray for miracles, but are we praying for the extraordinary gift of working miracles? You know, God says that we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives. So what are the wrong motives? Well, there may be many, but I'll tell you the right motive is that when we are asking to be filled with God's Holy Spirit to receive extraordinary gifts so that we can effectively minister to His creation and further His kingdom here. When we were children, did we expect a gift at Christmas from our parents? Were we wrong to expect that? Of course not. We knew that our parents loved us, and probably wanted to give us the gift as much as we wanted to receive it. The Word says, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? You see, church, God has this crazy plan of further his kingdom here on earth. God, in his infinite wisdom, entrusted believers like you and me to become the vehicle to deliver the gospel message, to see the lost saved, to see babes in Christ discipled and eventually sent to deliver the message of the gospel. God didn't call anyone to not have a ministry. While it may be possible for a believer not to have a ministry, he intended every single believer to be an important part of the body of Christ. Are all evangelists? Are all teachers? Are all preachers? No, of course not. But we are all called to be ministers And I believe as part of that is to be prepared to share our own personal testimony. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, the word says, But in your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him and giving him first place in your lives as Lord. Hear this part. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You know, um, I had something really planned awesome for you guys this morning. A friend of mine, uh, Liz Mooney, has an incredible testimony that when you do get to finally hear it, will just knock your socks off. If, if you want to hear a, a message about redemption and, and uh, the power of God's forgiveness, it's an incredible message. But I said earlier that I was angry about sickness. At about 10 till 7 this morning, as I was getting ready to leave the house to come here, I got a message and she was sick as well. Man, it's going all over the place. What a cruddy, cruddy thing. 
You'll get to hear it. I promise you will. I told my son this morning, I said, wow, that was 10 minutes of my message. What am I going to do now? And he said, why don't you give your testimony? Hmm, kind of smart. <laughs> I want to tell you a testimony of how amazing God is. Sometimes in ways that are not even easy for us to imagine how good he is. Several years ago in my business, I did a lot of car time, windshield time. And um, one day I was driving, I think I was headed to Kansas City. You know, sometimes when I'm in the car, I like to have praise and worship on or those kind of things. But sometimes you just don't want anything. You know, it's like that one time or an experience that you have when, you know, nobody's there to talk to or anything else. You're just alone in the car. And I was driving along, not expecting anything. And I heard God audibly speak to me. He said something really, really simple, but something that had a ginormous effect. He said, Rob needs your house. That was the only words. You know, it's funny because God didn't have to tell me who Rob was. He didn't have to go into a a big, long explanation of why it was the case, but he just put it right there. It was so overwhelming that eventually I picked up phone and I called Rob. By the way, if you don't know who Rob is, his name is Rob Berenger. Anybody know Rob? Some of you? Yeah, very good. Anyway, um, I called Rob, and I said, Rob, are you okay? And he said, well, I've got a little problem. You see, we've been, my wife and I, they were serving as youth pastors in our church. I said, my wife and I got a call this morning from our landlord that told us that we had to leave the house that we're in, and it was so perfectly set up for us to be able to host the youth and stuff, and so... He's telling me about this, and I'm going like, okay, now this makes a lot more sense. So I said, Rob, I don't know why, but God told me that you need my house. You see, we had um, just made a purchase of a new home. It was probably more than what we could afford at the time. The the budget was going to be difficult, but I felt really confident because we were going to put our house on the market and sell it real fast. It was in a decent neighborhood, so it should go pretty quickly. And here now, I'm in a situation where God says, Rob has need for your house. So I said, Rob, this is what God told me, so I use it. It's yours, whatever it was. You know, somehow we managed to make it through that time, even though it seemed impossible. But the big thing that I want you to understand or at least it is to me, is almost at the very time that this happened, Rob got called into the ministry. Because he didn't have to make a house payment, a rent payment, those kind of things, he had the funds and availability, and he went directly into the seminary. And if you want to talk about a mighty man of God, an incredible pastor, an upcoming leader within our our denomination, he is a tremendous, tremendous pastor. 
And I'm thankful to God for it. It was such a small thing. It was, Rob needs your house. That's it. Sometimes our message that we receive doesn't have to be ginormous, right? It can be profound things that make a difference. So we serve a really good God that can do things beyond what we can imagine and make come from those things that are exceptional. What is your testimony? For those that are in my junior high class, I've done for years one of the things that I do in that class is help them with the development of their testimony. You know, we might think that we've all just got our own story and stuff, but I want to tell you, I believe that our testimony is important for it to be thought out, for it to be rehearsed, for it to be written down, for it to be practiced to the point that we can give it naturally. Are you prepared in or out of season to give the reason for hope that is within us? Our personal testimony can be more powerful than any sermon or even any logical arguments. The unbelieving world is more interested in understanding your personal story than a third-party account based on what happened to someone else. You know, a third-party account could be referred to as hearsay. Anybody know that term? You know, the definition of hearsay is information received from other people that one cannot adequately substantiate, or a rumor. The report of another person's words by witness usually disallowed as evidence in court. Our personal testimony is not hearsay. Here's an example. You should really come to Oakton because Billy Bob told me that he really likes it there. He says people there are so loving and so kind and that Joel, the worship leader, sings on key most of the time. It's probably not a good idea to pick on someone who will have the microphone after a while. Seriously, though, would you agree that personal testimony is powerful? You know, not everyone is comfortable to stand in front of a large group of people and to give their testimony. I, I know that my friend Liz was excited about that, and she will do those things, and it will be an amazing. But even if our opportunity for testimony is only one on one with someone, even if the duration of it isn't super long, sometimes our chance to be able to share with someone is not a long occurrence. But I believe, whether to a group or to an individual person, our testimony can change lives for the kingdom of God. Intentionally developing your testimony is vital to your ministry effectiveness. I want you to imagine, if you would, later today, Someone asks you, why you church? Why you believe? Or why in any form? Are we prepared to share our testimony? Has anyone heard of the term elevator pitch? 
I come from the world of sales, and so it's a, it's a term sometimes used when you've got to be able to spit out a message or a, a pitch really quick. You know, like imagine that you're in an elevator and a stranger gets on the elevator with you and you're only riding to the next floor and it's going to get off. You know how awkward that is? You don't know whether to say hi or what you do and you don't know what floor it might stop on and so you don't really know what your time is. And so I, I just wanted to say that whether we have hours to be able to spend with somebody, whether we have moments to be able to spend, I believe that it's our opportunity and obligation to be able to have our testimony able to be delivered in that manner. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. You can tell when somebody's old and they say, turn in your Bibles. I'm sorry, what I really meant was push your app. The word says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us should use them accordingly. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people in proportion to the faith possessed. If service in the act of serving, or he who teaches in the act of teaching, or he who encourages in the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. You know, there's a lot of excuses, church, for not being in ministry. Some might say they're too old. Some might think that they're too young. Some might have too many things to take care of, or maybe too poor, even too busy. Maybe no one has asked you. Is that an excuse? It's not a good excuse. Maybe someone feels not good enough, not smart enough. Maybe their work schedule just makes it almost impossible to serve in ministry. Maybe it's their kids' activities. Got to take them to a million games and practices. Maybe it's other commitments or even being too scared to get connected, to get engaged. You know, I want to tell you, give you an example Everybody here excited about what the Lamar Tigers Brotherhood has been doing over the last decade? You know, Pastor Kent always does a football analogy, and since he's not here, I feel like it's my obligation to include, but I'm not going to talk about the Vikings. I don't actually know hardly anything about football. I really just kind of got engaged with the Lamar Tigers over this last decade, and man, what a run has it been. I mean, how exciting is that? Seven state championships, I believe, if I got this right, 10 district championships in a row. Wow. That is awesome, is it not? I mean, that is a championship team. But I have a question for you. Who is most important, the coach or the players? 
You know, um, without a great coach or leadership, even the best of players couldn't perform to the top of their ability. They wouldn't know how to work well as a team. They wouldn't be disciplined as they should be without a coach. So he's important. But guess what? Without the players, the greatest coach in the world without people who are willing to be coached, without people that are willing to be dedicated, without the talents and stuff, the greatest coach in the world could have a complete losing season. So who's more important? Who's more important, the offense or the defense? You know, if you have the great offense but you don't have any defense, the other team's going to score on you so much, you have no chance to win, even if you put points in the board, right? What about the other? You can have the greatest defense in the world, but if you don't have any offense, you're not going to get any points on the board. Which is more important? Which is more important, the quarterback or the lineman? Do you get it? The greatest quarterback in the world without a line is going to do nothing but lay in the grass all day. (laughs) A great line without a quarterback doesn't do any good. Do you get it, church? What about the water boy? Or the tackling dummy. (laughs) Hi, Riggy. How long do you think that the brotherhood could go on the field if it weren't for the water boys keeping them hydrated so that they can perform? I only played football one year, and my main position was tackling dummy. It's not a very fun position, but you know what? If there were not tackling dummies, our team wouldn't have the precise, the precision, the abilities to be able to tackle really well. So who's more important, the water boy or the tackling dummy? If we all had intentional ministry, church, and could function as a championship team. Our pastors act as the coaches, and we are the players, the water boys, and even the tackling dummies here at Oakton. You know, inside of the church, beyond the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers are amazing people in helps ministries. They're vitally important to the function of the church. Often those in helps ministries are behind the scenes, sometimes go unnoticed, but not by our Lord. They don't always require recognition or to be in the spotlight in order to minister. Helps is a ministry, not an obligation, not an assignment or a duty. 
It is serving others. It doesn't matter if you're an usher, a greeter, sounder media, work in the youth, children's church, or nursery. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. You are ministering and helping him build his church here. Whether grading the parking lot, washing windows, cleaning floors, de-icing sidewalks, bringing snacks, mowing grass, or the dozens or hundreds of other ministry opportunities within the church, they are vitally important to the, for the church to function at its best. What if the church wasn't clean? What if the outside wasn't cared for? What if the thermostat wasn't set? What if no one made coffee? Helps ministers make it all come together and as are important as any other ministries within the church. You believe that? Praise team, will you come up? Do you have a testimony waiting to be shared? Are you anticipating the opportunity to share it? Are you intentional about your ministry? Are you asking God and desiring extraordinary spiritual gifts? I want you to take a moment and imagine what the church would look like and how it could function if Every one of us were intentional about ministry and equipped with extraordinary spiritual gifts. As the praise team begins to play this morning, the uh, altars will be open. We have lots of time uh, today. If you know that you could be doing things for his kingdom that could help the lost and the dying world receive him, if you could help nurture up babes in Christ through discipleship. Church, I believe it's time for the church to be awake. The church was never meant to be powerless. And it was also never meant so that the pastors carried out the ministry. That's our job. 